This week on Work Upgraded, we have the absolute pleasure of speaking to Chris Grant of ASPL Group about how we can apply some really simple neuroscience principles in our leadership. For the past nine years, Chris Grant has been leading ASPL Group as CEO, overseeing its management consulting, training and recruitment divisions to deliver major transformational projects, strategic leadership training, and personnel resourcing to improve business functions and increase productivity across Australia's public and private sectors. A champion of emerging leaders and an ambassador for workplace equality, Chris has built a successful career and a stable of key clients through living her own mantra of always being an authentic leader and empowering her staff and her clients' personnel to create opportunities for success. At ASPL, Chris offers a leadership and coaching program that empowers executives to progress to the next level in their careers with a focus on personal leadership development. And we get the absolute pleasure of hearing some of what Chris shares with her coaching clients on Work Upgraded today. Hi, Chris. Welcome to Work Upgraded. It's a real pleasure to have you. Thank you, Lauren. It's an absolute pleasure to meet you and to be on your podcast. Thank you very much. So here on Work Upgraded, we spend a lot of time talking about the future of work, but particularly really practical things that leaders can take on board to prepare themselves for that. So I guess I'll start off with a question. What do you think is the most important things for leaders to prepare for, for the future of work? I think there's a couple of things that's really crucial right now. And obviously with the borders being shut internationally and internally, it's created such a capability war across the country. I know everyone talks about the great resignation, but from my perspective, whilst it's really challenging, it's also a really good opportunity for leaders to go, okay, instead of going into competition, why don't we look at our internal capability as you and I know, it's more on the strategic workforce planning front and really try and shift their mindset to try and find solutions rather than just reacting to the market. Yeah, awesome. And what are some sort of practical ways they can get started with that sort of looking internally at the capabilities? I mean, look, it depends on the size, but most of them have capability frameworks where they want to move to in the future. So they need to do an assessment, you know, with their data on exactly, you know, what their current state is and then obviously look at future state and see where they get those gaps up. Yeah, excellent. So what what would you sort of describe as your overall philosophy to leadership? What What's the key thing that you see being important for leaders? I think that from a leadership perspective, I'm um, really passionate about giving them the tools and techniques to be their best version of self. And I think a lot of people or a lot of leaders kind of fall into the leadership role, especially in any sort of technical discipline, whether it's, you know, health, IT, even, even finance. And they don't always have a passion for leadership. And then, you know, they really, they can struggle with it a lot, especially with the complexity that we are all going through with the pandemic, for example. So giving support to the leaders, whether it's on a training front or a coaching front, I think is really crucial. It's so interesting you touch on that because that's definitely been my experience as well, coming from sort of 
an, an accountant myself, but also working with a lot of people in technology. Yeah. And often sometimes just being a high performer lands you with a leadership role that nobody's ever really told you how to do before. None of your uni courses trained you on how to do this. So you've got to go out there and, and find the skill development that you need. Where do you find is most important for leaders to start with that journey? So they've, they found themselves in a leadership position by art or um, by accident. What do you think are some of the key things to learn first? I think that some of the key things is obviously self-awareness and that is something um, that is not easily, it's not easy to develop without assistance, I don't think. Look, it really, really depends on on the person's EQ and, you know, how well developed they are. I find that self-awareness, self-reflection, self-regulation, which is neuroscience, which is what we teach. I wish I knew it when I was younger and I... (laughs) And I still lead a large workforce, but I was definitely the overachiever and trying to do too much and overthinking everything. Those probably three areas of practice is probably, and it is a practice, is probably what I would recommend. Yeah, excellent. So you mentioned the neuroscience of leadership. I had an interesting conversation with a colleague about that, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on how to bring neuroscience into your practice and maybe some of the techniques used in coaching. Yeah, look, obviously, from a coaching perspective, we use the GROW model, which is all about um, shifting the mindset. I have led really large workforces. And as I said before, on offer, I think I went to Melbourne Business School myself for five days for a leadership training after uni when I got into more senior roles. And I found myself going, wow, there's just such a lack of, it just doesn't stick with, not so much with myself because I I've love leading, right? But with people that didn't have the propensity, people that didn't really like it, don't really like people. I was like, we keep on sending our leaders to, you know, one day, two day courses and nothing is changing. Like it's just um, not happening. And probably about, oh, it would have to be about eight years ago, I started getting really interested in uh, neuroscience um, and we're doing a lot with Griffith University. And I was like, you know, applying some of the techniques to my own leadership style and my own um, journey as a CEO then, still are, <laughs> um, and, and seeing if it could shift myself, like if I could shift my own patterns of behaviour, such as I mentioned before, I've, I've always been a big overthinker. And, you know, being a young mom, you know, in a senior role, in a global role, I found that I kept on trying to do more instead of trying to look at myself kind of like an athlete and trying to, you know, hit the peak performance. So with the power of neuroscience, which we've developed over the years and we run it especially quite heavily in health and government, it actually shifts the pattern of behaviour with the participants. So we do it always over a longer period of time. So, for example, sometimes with the likes of defence, we've run it over 16 weeks since two hours a week. And then sometimes depending on what patterns you want to shift, um, it's, you know, eight hours or so over eight weeks. Yeah, excellent. Are there any sort of small tips that you could recommend that the listeners try to sort of uncover yeah. more of the power of neuroscience? Yeah, like I said, self-reflection is probably one of the tips I would recommend. I think also recognizing that it does take time to shift. Like there's a lot of books like Atomic Habits and things like that right now, right? But looking at, say, for example, instead of like, our New Year's uh, day list of 50 things I want to change. Maybe if you want to change, you know, I want to, you know, be, I want to plan more because planning is hard when we're really busy. And then just trying it 
every day for five days and then every night doing a bit of a self-reflection on how you're progressing because that's your neural pathway so that's what you're you're we're trying to shift here if that makes sense they're the kind of little tips I would give yeah beautiful so practical as well with the self-reflection is that something that you would write down can you sort of do that by talking out loud what are the methods for that um, well, there is the power of the uh, writing. I write, I still journal every day. I would recommend writing myself. And I guess, you know, you've got to consider here. This is what I always say to anyone. It's, you know, back in the day, I used to go to, you know, a leadership already training. I was like, oh, it's like taking a neurofilm. I'm going to be transformed into this incredible leader. But no matter what, no matter how good your facilitator is or how good your coach is, you're going to have to do the work yourself. And that, and that's a shift in your own mindset as well. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Even the more you put into it and learn about yourself and develop yourself aware, understand your patterns, the more you're going to get out of life. That's my view of it. Yeah, beautiful. So it's worth busting out a paper and pen, uh, even if those yeah. aren't too, tools you use too often in um, today's world. Is there a particular um, story, maybe something from your own experience or something you've seen working with a coaching client that really, you know, embedded down that you're like, oh, neuroscience is such a powerful tool in this space? Yeah, look, as I said, one of our clients' defense, we've been running it over the years. And even now I have some of the participants, you know, which is really what's the rewarding path go, you know, Chris, I'm still doing my gratitude. I'm doing my journal. I'm trying to be the best version of self. So that's when you know, like, it's not going to, you can't, and you know that saying about the camel or the horse going to water, I don't know, whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Can't ever drink the water. But if you can like empower people and if you can go success is actually within your own reach, then I, I figure all of us in any capacity from a coaching perspective is doing the right thing. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious if you've noticed um, from talking to clients or anything, what difference this makes for teams. Um, so I'm really passionate about helping leaders unlock the potential within their teams. And we've kind of been talking about work the leader, leader can do themselves, but does this tend to have flow and effect to the team as well? Oh, absolutely. Because you're trying to build the, the self-awareness of the leader. Like you've got to remember a lot of time, you know, they might wait for their feedback annually. Like I'm a leader, you know, I could be any different style of leader and I think I'm incredible, right? But if they're not getting feedback and they're not a great leader, then you kind of feel for them in a way because they haven't even, they can't even try and improve because they've, you know, haven't even developed their self-awareness. I see that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so important. I can you can forget to ask for the feedback as a leader, or maybe purposefully avoid it. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, getting feedback. I mean, there's lots of different models now that you can use to get you know the feedback loop, but getting feedback is um, crucial. I think 360 is sometimes challenging because it depends how open people are. Have you got any master tips for getting feedback to help people give you the really honest stuff that you want? Yeah, look, I always say you can implement feedback loops. So having those kind of more positive, you know, conversations and you can't, the trick with all of this, which I learned earlier in my career is you can't take on board. If someone's negative and you get their feedback, right? Generally that's their state of mind. So it's really hard for people not to take that on board. 
And I think that's why people don't want to have those conversations because they're worried about taking that, you know, negative feedback on. Whereas you've got to always be quite discerning as well, I think. Yeah, so there's a skill to receiving feedback. It's not, yeah, like, yeah. there's the saying that feedback's a gift, but I'm like, sometimes it comes in a lot of wrapping. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on who's giving you the feedback. So, you know, when I was younger, I was like wanting to change the world, still doing some components, but you know what? I, I w- and then if I took on all this feedback, then if it wasn't positive, then I would feel badly about myself. Whereas now I'm just more discerning. And sometimes again, when you take that feedback, I think it's good not to react. Um, I'm saying if it's more negative, um, not to react and kind of self-reflect on it and go, you know, is that person not in a great position right now from a mindset perspective at all? Can I learn and grow from this? Yeah, definitely. Very important things to consider. And I think there's always a grain of something you can take away from everything, even if it is just learning about your team member's state of mind as well. I think well, that, that reveals you, important yeah. things. Mm. Absolutely. Definitely. So is there anything that you would recommend? So maybe leaders have explored neuroscience a little bit and they're wanting to help their teams. Because I believe to be a great leader, you've got to be building leaders within your teams as well. So is there any tips you would um, suggest for leaders who are maybe wanting to help their teams on this journey as well? Yeah, I think leaders have to look at how they can obviously encourage and look, you know, for that high potential individual that could potentially move into a leadership role. And obviously providing them mentoring and coaching would probably help as well. That's probably what I would suggest. Yeah, awesome. I sometimes think businesses should offer that by default. It's not how we do EAPs and all of these other kinds of things. So if listeners have been really enjoying this conversation, which I certainly have been, uh, and want to find out more about yourself, what's the best way they can go about doing that? Yeah, look, um, obviously they're on LinkedIn or my um, web address is aspl.net.au. Perfect. And are there any ways they can work with you? Do you offer coaching um, yes, public. Yeah, we do awesome. offer coaching to the public. Not always myself. We've got many, many. I think we've got over fifty or sixty uh, facilitators and coaches. Awesome. But, um, it really just depends on what you know individuals' requirements are. Excellent. Sounds like a wonderful way to start exploring sort of neuroscience and leadership together a little bit more. Amazing. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Likewise, I think I've taken some uh, practical takeaways from it myself as well. So thank you, Chris. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to my interview with Chris Grant. As usual, you can find me on the Wizard Labs social media channels. So that is Wizard Innovation Labs on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram and Wizard Team Labs over on Twitter. If you're curious to explore some of the other skills that I believe are required to lead in the future of work, Uh, you can check out the Wizard Labs uh, website at www.wizardinnovationlabs.com and download our free resource about the nine skills required to lead in the future of work. Thanks for joining me and keep upgrading work.